Welcome to T-Set Pass, a brand new Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast looking to celebrate everything about the game, from the anime to the art, from the competitive to the casual. I love this game and I want to explore every single inch of it. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let these light Yu-Gi-Oh! conversations wash over you. Welcome everybody to episode one of the podcast. I have debated a little bit about how I wanted this first episode to go. I have completed several interviews with some interesting guests, but I thought it might be better if I started the first episode alone to really set the scene for what I want to talk about and explain a little bit about my history with the game and what you might be getting from this podcast. So I've played Yu-Gi-Oh! as long as I can remember. As far as I'm aware, I was first given some booster packs when I was about four, early, early primary school, because I remember bringing them in around year one, year two, if not younger. Like most people, I didn't dive in on the competitive end for a very very long time. I think until the end of the GX era my deck was a huge pile of every single card I owned. Believe it or not, that meant it wasn't very consistent and despite having fun in the day I don't think I'd enjoy going back to those decks now. It wasn't until the 5Ds era that I really enjoyed playing Yu-Gi-Oh. It was hard to play Yu-Gi-Oh back in GX era. All the boss monsters were fusions for the most part, and if you didn't have the expensive cards like Cyber End Dragon, then you had to settle for bad elemental heroes. Obviously, in hindsight now, there were a lot more cards that I could have been using, but as a small child, you get what you get. The Synchro era was when decks could be good and fun. All you had to do was have a Tuna monster, and then you could just have loads of fun finding all the monsters of the levels you need to make the good Synchro boss monsters like Stardust Dragon and Red Dragon Archfiend, which were a million miles ahead of your Flame Wingman. The first deck I ever felt a real connection with was my Morphtronic deck with Power Tool Dragon as my main boss monster. I remember my best friend Corey that I always play Yu-Gi-Oh with and I still do to this day whenever I go home. He had Morphtronic cards all over his floor once and he had no interest in them. Probably distracted by those much cooler looking psychic monsters to be fair. He said I could have them because he did not want them and I took all of those bad boys home and built the most fun high rolly synchro deck that I could have ever thought of back in the day. I still love Morphtronic to this day and when Halka Fibrax was legal I was building all sorts of high rolly synchro spam decks with them. I still get to play with them a little bit now in the Tri-Brigade FTK deck I've just built. Although that might be getting a bit complicated for some of the casuals. If doing TikTok lives has taught me anything, and I do TikTok lives where I do regularly if you're not one of my followers from the TikTok side, it's taught me that a lot more people love Yu-Gi-Oh! or at least have nostalgia for Yu-Gi-Oh! than even they think probably. People watch our streams for hours and hours and they still have no idea how the game works. All they're doing is waiting for a pot of greed, an Egyptian god, or a dark magician. I want to talk to people from all levels of Yu-Gi-Oh! for this podcast. Casuals, competitive, anime fans, people who are maybe on the money side, merchants maybe. However, I have to keep in mind that can be quite alienating to some people. If you're just a fan of the anime or you just want to hear people have a light conversation about Dark Magician, not every episode of this will be for you, so I'm happy for you to dip out whenever you feel that you might be getting overwhelmed. However, if you have a thirst to learn, then I am happy to teach you everything I know and take you from a complete casual to a little burgeoning competitive player. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover or get a guest on or just answer myself, then just leave it in the comments either on my videos on TikTok or on the podcast itself. Guests, guests, guests. I said there would be guests and I do actually have two fully recorded guests so far. 
The Versed was a childhood icon of mine, Slagra, who used to be known as Asian Eyes White Dragon, one of the biggest Yugi tubers around, or at least he used to be. I'm not sure about the competition these days, but he has got a very impressive channel under his belt. And I also have the wonderful Yu-Gi-Oh! artist Jamie joining me, also known as Abyss, on Twitter. She is very talented at both the game and at art, which is disgustingly unfair. How can you be good at both? It's really rubbing it in. Obviously, I can't go letting every Tom, Dick and Harry on the podcast. I just wouldn't have the time to edit at all. I barely have enough time to edit the episodes I've already recorded. However, if you have a thought, maybe I'll do a question of the day and I'll take in some recorded voice messages from you guys to include. If you think that would be fun, let me know. All the interviews on this show will be edited down into nice, juicy clips, snippets or conversations. Maybe I'll theme it around a particular topic. However, if you cannot stand the censorship, if you want the raw truth as it is, I will be uploading the full conversations onto my Patreon. So if you want to follow the link in the description below, you can find that and get any more information that you need there. In terms of my relationship with Yu-Gi-Oh! right now, I've been a Yu-Gi-Oh! content creator for just over a year now, and I love the game maybe more than ever. Making content for so many people really does bring out your enthusiasm for the game. I think if I was just sat there playing it on my own, it might not be anywhere near as fun. I very much go back to the anime on a regular basis, both dub and sub, I am no snob, although I can't pretend that I love every series, V-Reigns is really not my cup of tea. Despite having some of the best qualities and best animation, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I think Arc 5 had potential to be the best series of all time, but then kind of uh, messed up on the delivery. Zexel's probably the only one that stuck the landing perfectly, but I could go on forever about the quality of the Yu-Gi-Oh anime, it has very high highs and very low lows and does not treat women particularly well, which is something I want to explore in more detail coming shortly. People often ask me why I'm not bored of the Yu-Gi-Oh anime. They play cards for half of it, they're not even fighting properly, what is there to enjoy? And my logic is it's just a fighting show. It's a fighting show where instead of a fight scene, they play a card game. And guess what? At home, you are going to get in trouble if you do a drop kick into someone's head, but you will never get in trouble. Well, <laughs> I take that back. If you're in a strong Christian household, you might get in trouble. But in general, you're not going to get told off for having an epic duel with your friends instead of punching them in the face. Very few of us will become the muscle-bound Saiyans of Dragon Ball Z, or the amazing ninjas of Naruto. Not that I've watched either show. However, everybody can pick up a piece of cardboard and read it. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Most Yu-Gi-Oh players aren't able to read. But we try, or we at least look at the pictures. Original series Yu-Gi-Oh is just not my cup of tea because the cards are so basic. There's so many normal monsters or field spells that do so little that they feel like they're wasting the paper they're printed on. One of my favourite things about the show is seeing a cool combination that the characters come up with and being able to recreate it yourself. For example, Jaden used a card called Mirage of Nightmare that lets you draw three cards but then makes you lose them at the end of the turn. However, he used Mystical Space Typhoon to destroy his own Mirage of Nightmare, meaning that it wasn't alive at the end of the turn to make him discard. That's a fairly good combo, and as a nine-year-old you're thinking, wow, I didn't think of that, and then you get to try it yourself against your friends. Over the years I've half collected, I've never really committed to it until lockdown. Being trapped inside for such a long period of time really gave me the chance to go through my binders and bundles and boxes of old cards to see what I actually had, and one of the things I always wanted since I was a kid was a collection of all the number cards. Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexal is a series where they're trying to collect all the 100 number cards. If you collect number cards, you get more powerful, there's some lore attached to them. Collecting all the numbers gives you sort of world creator level powers. It's kind of a crazy idea, but I just love the aesthetic of numbers on monsters and the idea that there's a finite amount. 
I won't begin to explore if there's any neurodivergence behind wanting to collect things because they're numbered, but there you go. There's a whole book of them now on my desk. I've collected every single number card in the game, and that has unlocked quite a healthy uh, or unhealthy appreciation of collecting and completing sets. I then collected every single band card in Yu-Gi-Oh! and I'm happy to explain why there should be band cards because it's a topic I'm very passionate about and my comment section is very against the idea of band cards for some ridiculous reason. And my next collection that I haven't even made a single video about because I'm still making videos covering the band list collection will be all the hero monsters in the game which I'm very nearly at completion of. And maybe one day I'll sell them all and collect a million billion pounds and then maybe I'll spend that million billion pounds getting whatever the next meta deck is if I want to go really try hard. In terms of competing, I dabble, I dip my toe in the water. I try and build decks that could compete if I wanted to and then I don't compete. I will be starting very soon and I'm happy to document my journey of trying to be good at the game with you guys on this podcast, but I will not commit to winning because I am no fool. I did a lot better with the Digimon trading card when I went to the locals for that than I did with the last couple of Yu-Gi-Oh locals that I went to. Which is incredibly depressing seeing as I've played Yu-Gi-Oh for about 20 if not more years now and I've played Digimon for maybe a few months at most. But hey, that's how the cookie crumbles. Aside from Yu-Gi-Oh! and as I just mentioned Digimon, I've not super dabbled in too many card games. Card Fight Vanguard was the only card game that sparked my heart as much as Yu-Gi-Oh! and I've really fallen off. The power creep got ridiculous and not so much unfun, but it's more it got too expensive to keep up with it. It felt like every time a new pack came out, the old pack became instantly irrelevant. While certainly there is power creep in Yu-Gi-Oh, that's a fact, they normally spread the power creep around a couple of decks, so even if you don't want to play the top top deck, you can play the second or the third or the fourth best deck and still have fun and still steal some wins from the best deck. The number one deck that has my heart and will always have my heart is Hero. I've been in love with this deck since episode 1 of GX, Flame Wing Man was the coolest guy in the world, even though there's no reason to use him anymore. Although we are getting a retrain of Flame Wing Man soon, so we will be able to play around with him again. And the deck isn't the worst in the world anymore. MBT, famous Yu-Gi-Oh! YouTuber, just took the deck to the last Yu-Gi-Oh! Championship series, which was in London, and he did very well with it, thanks to the brand new card Wake Up Your Elemental Hero. I'm going to wrap up episode 1 there. This is a lot shorter than any of the other episodes will probably be because I'm on my lonesome. I just wanted to give you a taste of some of the stuff we'd be talking about before we get some guests in who are quite specialist in their knowledge. They might dive pretty deep on the competitive or on the commercial side of the game, so I just wanted to make sure that you knew what you were getting into. Next week we'll be chatting with Sladra about the state of the game, the money side of Yu-Gi-Oh, about what we think the future of Yu-Gi-Oh will be. If you want to support the podcast and listen to it early, please subscribe to the Patreon, which I'll be linking below. If you want to see me review the anime, the card game, cover product releases, all sorts of Yu-Gi-Oh! news, please go to my TikTok, which is jamessumner101. And if you could please leave a review, hopefully positive, on the podcast, it would really help people find us. We're on Apple, YouTube, and Spotify, so if you're on any of the platforms, leave as many reviews as you can. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and let me know what you want me to talk about in future episodes. I will try and cover everything eventually. Goodbye.